Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Somebody once told me the world is... <laughs> wrong one! I know it's the wrong Shrek, but... I This this one also starts with, a I feel like, a very dated banger, though. The, like... Accidentally in love. It's pretty good. Oh. Who is that? Is that Counting Crows? Oh, that is who that sounds like. Yeah. I just I just pulled that name out of my butt for the first time in 15 years. <laughs> it's certainly not Smash Mouth. Why didn't they get to come back for Shrek 2? I think that's the most popular criticism of Counting Crows is they're no Smash Mouth. I yeah. <laughs> I I wonder if like maybe this is just like headcanon, but what if Shrek 2 couldn't afford Smash Mouth because Shrek 1 made Smash Mouth so famous. Oh, and they spent so much money of the Shrek 2 budget on... Did you see the pay bumps that, like, the three leads, Mike Myers, no. Cameron Wait, Diaz, the... and Eddie Murphy? So what? for the first movie, and I don't know if they all got paid the same, but I think it was, like, ballpark of, like, $350,000 for their voice acting work on Shrek 1. For Shrek okay, 2... Okay, that's so much money, but I guess probably not a lot of money to them. <laughs> right. For Shrek 2, their salaries got bumped to $10 million each, Why? I believe. <laughs> oh my god, that is wild especially because I mean, the they only need to work for like 15 days in like a recording studio it's not even like they're not even on set it's like not like no wonder cameron diaz retired damn <laughs> also yeah the budget for this one is like two and a half times what the first one was made but it looks exactly the same and it's basically the same story <laughs> <laughs> 
so yes. wild wow i didn't know that i my favorite fun fact i learned about shrek 2 is that it was nominated for the palm d'or at Cannes. i know <laughs> it's like oh what <laughs> hold the phone uh, i thought french people had taste and <laughs> i was wrong well it didn't win i wait who okay let's find out who, who beat shrek 2 for the palm d'or <laughs> I mean, it had to have been a tight race, honey. Okay. I mean, what came out? What else came out in 2004? Spider-Man 2? 2004. Okay. Fahrenheit 9-11 beat Shrek 2 for the Palm oh, d'Or. Wow. What a what a bizarro year <laughs> at in Cannes. Wow. God. Okay. I wasn't surprised it was nominated for the Oscar for Best Animated Feature because I feel like most of the Shreks were. Yeah, yeah, that tracks. But the Palm d'Or threw me for a loop. Same. I was like, wow, this is actually art. <laughs> <laughs> I was similarly baffled. Okay, so listeners, this is not only our Shrek 2 episode, mm-hmm. a long awaited, much requested. People have been just <laughs> knocking our door down. Clamoring. <laughs> yeah, we got we got doxxed. <laughs> The people have been demanding for decades, when are you going to cover Shrek 2? <laughs> so it's that episode. It's also our five-year anniversary episode. We've been I doing the podcast know. for five years. That is so wild. We're different, and yet we're the same. Yeah. You know? Y- yes. I feel like we've really, like any good relationship, we've grown together. It's the true. show has grown with us. We got, I mean, it's, it is like, wow, I was thinking about, like our first episode came out and this was not intentional because we had the show in the works anyways mm-hmm. but the show did end up being released right after the 2016 election like right after yes yeah and <laughs> what a journey it's been what a journey it's been uh, i feel like we've never not been in just like cultural societal turmoil since the podcast has started yeah between like that presidency and oh that a, one. now a world <laughs> yeah remember that one and um <laughs> and then also this pandemic it's just been i mean what a time it really has been a wild ride like in in a in a i mean not societally maybe not in a good way but i feel like it ended up being a very uh specifically relevant time to be having the conversations that we've been trying to have on the show Mm -hmm. and i don't know i'm proud of us and we have and we also there's so much left to do there's so much left to do i also i think a great way to track our growth was uh i listened to the shrek (laughs) one episode yesterday oh no (laughs) and so that one no no perfect no notes um, that came out nearly four years ago, based almost like four years to the date wow. ago. So wild. We were like a year into doing the show. Uh-huh. It was an interesting listen. It's been a really long time since I've listened back to an episode from that long ago. Yeah, um, I avoid it. I, I, <laughs> it, it was excruciating. <laughs> I, okay, so here here's some things about the episode. Certainly, we have okay. demonstrably grown. As mm-hmm. movie analysts, as feminists, as just havers of discourse, like, oh, wow. Our discussion was not very nuanced on the Shrek 1 episode. We were using a lot of ableist language. Wait, we weren't 
nuanced in 2017. I was curious about that. I was like, because I know that there's been so we've been educated and still have more to learn. But like we've we've been educated so much by our listeners uh, about Mm -hmm. language choices that we were making four years ago that we're not anymore yeah which is like Mm. uh, listening to the old ones is tough yeah turns out we don't age well sometimes um also i'm doing a very nasally voice the entire time and then also why bursting into just like goofy voices for 90 percent of the episode i don't know what i thought i was doing or must have blacked out (laughs) that because i'm just like i don't remember you Becoming a goofy voice connoisseur. I was goofy voicing all over the place. I don't know why I was making any of those choices. Also, the episode Uh, was very short by our standards because it was only it was like less than an hour long. It was like 57 minutes long or something like that. I feel like that's because we used to um, we used to like rent studio time, too. So we had like more Mm -hmm. like restrictions on how long we could record where now we're just existing in cyber, baby. Right. I'm just sitting in my closet talking for two hours at a time. We got time, baby. That that is it is so bizarre to think about how much has changed in the world, how much has changed with the show. Mm -hmm. And so much of that is owed to our listeners, our community, and our amazing guests who also, I mean, who also have educated us so much. And hopefully you, if you're a listener of the show, Mm -hmm. if you're not, if this is, oh, what if this is your first time listening to the show? I, you know what? What if, what if there's a Shrek (laughs) 2 fan that's like, yes! You know what? Start now and don't look back. Don't listen to any earlier episodes and certainly not the Shrek 1 episode. Well, you can, you can start listening like two years ago. Yeah. I really feel like that's when we started to hit our stride yeah 2019 we really uh came out of a fugue state <laughs> and began having actual conversations look and also it's like i feel like podcasting is so different from when we started too which is yeah. bizarre because it's only been five years but it just feels like it's grown and changed so much mm-hmm. yeah i don't know it's so bizarre because we we truly started this as a pastime and now it's our full-time job yeah ah. wow look at that if you had told 2014 Caitlin that in five or six years, her full-time job and life and all that stuff would be a podcast, 2014 Caitlin would be like, what are you talking about? I don't even listen to podcasts. I don't like them, blah, blah, blah. I would have been like, what, like cereal? <laughs> I don't know. Like there, Because that used to be famously the only podcast that anyone <laughs> that had ever existed. heard of. It might have been the only one. It's impossible to know. I feel like it was like all TV recaps and cereal. (laughs) Right. And maybe like all there was. This American Life. Or is that a radio show? What's the difference? I don't even. Radio. And then they were. (laughs) I'm still explaining to my mom what the difference is. And I don't really know. Um, But it was, I mean, look, I, I feel like, especially shows that have been on for as long as ours have, it's like. It's. It would be very kind of fucked up if it was the sa- exact same show <laughs> as we'd started it. We're like, yeah, we haven't grown and we haven't changed. Yeah. So, well, the Bechtel cast came of age and is still coming of age. Wow. Is this, I was about to say, just like Shrek 2, it's not really a coming mm. of age story at all. No. It's just Shrek 1 with different plot elements <laughs> moved around. <laughs> right. But And then the same like theme and like message, but 
not as effectively done as the first movie question mark <laughs> the ending is just the opposite of the first movie <laughs> i i guess i didn't remember that much about shrek 2 because i'm like this is just shrek 1 except shrek 1 wasn't nominated for a palm day or i don't think <laughs> I, let, I, let me check let me check i would guess no here was my brilliant observation <laughs> as i was watching shrek 2 is that to me it's the family friendly version of the movie get out wow okay okay i see that i see that <laughs> which then when i when i was reading the scholarly journal wikipedia the article about shrek 2 mm-hmm. i learned that screenwriter and co-director andrew adamson mm-hmm. based the plot of shrek 2 off of guess who's coming to dinner i did know that right which is a similar premise as well so shrek 2 just a more poorly executed family-friendly version <laughs> uh yeah you know the message is very i think intended well quite hit or miss indeed yes however when this movie came out in 2004 so it, it came out may 19th 2004 that's two days after my 18th birthday did you go I, to see it. I did go to see it in theaters. Whoa. Probably multiple times, if I remember correctly. It was also like within a few days of my high school graduation. So I was like, Whoa. it was a celebratory May for me. Incredible. And the most important event being the release of Shrek 2, obviously. So <laughs> I, I really liked this, but I thought it was funny when I was like 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I did then buy it on dvd right when it came out on dvd i still Mm. own it on dvd i know incredible but i have not seen this movie for probably well over a decade i I probably stopped watching it in like 2006 i would guess okay what's your relationship with shrek 2 (laughs) i didn't see shrek 2 when it came out which is kind of bizarre because i would have been like the exact right age to really Mm -hmm. eat it up Mm -hmm. but i think as we talked about this uh on the show before my mom didn't like gross things and she did not like farts and Uh so she was like my little girl is not going to see a movie where there's farting 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 all day (laughs) um so i think i would have seen this movie probably at someone's house at some point Mm -hmm. i don't remember like i wasn't a big i was a late shrek bloomer uh, i real like and when i came into my trekness i really <laughs> came in hard oh yeah but i didn't come into my trekness until college okay and then i started getting naked and painting myself like shrek i got into there is like i mean it, and i feel like a lot of our listeners already are familiar with the online shrek culture mm-hmm. that exists yeah you sold shrek nudes right to raise money for planned parenthood i did there's a bunch of my nudes just still out there you know who knows who's got them hard copies <laughs> why did i do hard copies <laughs> yes all hard copies and i snail mailed them wow to people incredible that was when i worked at playboy and i used their nice magazine printers to print my shrek nudes which did feel exciting yeah yeah why did i choose to do hard copies is something that i think about a lot (laughs) i think it was i think i was like oh this will be harder for people to disseminate it if i don't like email my nudes to them i i think which is true Yeah, yeah i mean they've never resurfaced but i also 
am haunted by the idea of like these little haunted paintings, you know, <laughs> of, like these little cursed naked Jamie's hiding in people's closets because I'm like, I don't think that they're on display. But what if they are? That's even more bizarre. What if people like framed them and hung them up? Oh, I, they were sent in frames. <laughs> I sent them in frames. <laughs> God, that was, you know, 2015. That was pre-Bechtel cast. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There is, I, I can't vouch. I cannot vouch for, for her. Um, and what, oh, and then I, I wanted to plug the other big Shrek thing I participated in called Shrek Retold. Oh, yes. Yeah, it, it's a completely Shrek head fan animated version of the first movie mm-hmm. that came out, I think, at the end of 2018. Oh, I just, oh, it has over 8 million views on YouTube. Holy cow. But basically like 90 artists were given one minute of Shrek to reproduce however they saw fit. Mm -hmm. And I got, I got to do a minute of it and guess what? What? They're doing Shrek too. And I I did it again. You, oh my goodness. That's so exciting. So long winded way of saying I love Shrek, (laughs) but I hadn't seen Shrek too. And also a long time. Mm-hmm. I feel like I really stuck to to one is the classic. One is on the AFI list of a hundred best movies of all time. That is wild. I'm not shitting you. I was like, I was like, that sounds like a joke, but it isn't. I can think of at least five hundred movies that are better than Shrek One. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, I you say that, and yet Shrek One is genuinely a really good movie. Yes. It was nominated for, okay, it was, what should it have been nominated for best adapted screenplay? I don't, you know, who's to say? Yeah. But. I feel like it would, I would probably stand for it more, if not for all the very dated references in it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's the the early 2000s energy coming off of both of these mm-hmm. Shrek movies is um, frustrating. I just meant like story-wise and message-wise. Yeah. I feel like it has a lot going for That's it. That's fair. And I like that it was a product of spite, um, <laughs> which is right. always a fun story. Yeah. Mr. Former Disney was like, I'm Mr. DreamWorks now and I hate Disney. So I'm going to make and Shrek. I'm get them. <laughs> he genuinely, I mean, like, make no mistake, we're a thoroughly anti-Jeffrey Katzenberg podcast. He's currently trying to, like, influence homelessness policy in Los Angeles. He's Ugh. a fucking loser. So not vouching for him. Right. I just appreciate spite. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, It can be a beautiful thing. It can. Well, should we, should we dive into Shrek 2, the recap, and go from there? Yeah, we never said what the podcast was. Oh my gosh, you're you're right. No, we I guess we should. Yeah, this this could be someone's first episode. This is a loose one. This Ugh. is a loose one, baby. It's very okay. Loose. Don't expect us to be at our discourse best. We're basically on vacation right now. <laughs> Consider us Shrek's butthole. It's loose. It's flapping around. It's farting. <laughs> I didn't see it coming. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Honestly, me either, because I usually don't do like fart humor, but there it is. You just called Shrek's butt loose. Mm-hmm. Well, is it not? I don't think it's tight. I don't know. I guess 
I guess I hadn't, but I, I don't know. I don't know the guy. I don't know the guy. Have you ever been on Shrek 4D where they oh, at Universal? release the farts in your face? At Universal Studios? Yeah. yeah, I sure have. Yeah. They changed it to Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. But they're, oh, and also they're taking Shrek out of Universal Studios. I think that they're oh. like, Shrek is irrelevant. Isn't that sad? Oh, that is sad. Isn't there a fifth Shrek movie coming out though? Or did that get shelved or something? It better still be coming out i don't know i think that they're they're absolute goofs <laughs> to get rid of no shrek 5 is still Ooh, yeah let me i'm googling right now i don't know <gasps> i don't know it's kind of up in the air it says tba there, eddie murphy said it was coming out in 2020 he was that wrong didn't happen that came and went eddie murphy oh god okay there's a screen rant article entitled shrek 5 everything we know about the movie so far that was published or at least updated july 2021 which was only a few months oh, ago <laughs> but oh it's too many words to read and you know no, what we'll never, we'll never know, know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i guess i guess time will tell if shrek 5 ever comes out i mean that's very that makes me so sad i know they better. Anyway, the Bechtel cast is our show <laughs> in which we... That we've been doing for five years been... that we just forgot how to start. <laughs> <laughs> On this show, we examine movies from an intersectional feminist lens. Mm -hmm. Most movies don't fare very well. We use the Bechtel test simply as an inspiration we were inspired by mm -hmm. the Bechtel test and that is where the name comes from that's where the general premise of the show comes but uh, if you've been listening for the past five or however many years you know that the show is so much more thanks for staying with us thank you truly especially after that Shrek one episode yikes I would have <laughs> how were you and yeah I you Caitlin's Caitlin's <laughs> silly voices who Gosh. I, I want to go back now and listen because I'm like oh. what does that even mean wait can you do it can you do the voice I, can you tell me what the Bechtel test is in in the voice absolutely not <laughs> I will never. Um, but the Bechtel test is a media metric created by queer cartoonist Alison Bechtel, sometimes called the mm -hmm. Bechtel-Wallace test. Mm -hmm. Our version requires that two people of a marginalized gender have names mm -hmm. and speak to each other about something other than a man for at least two lines of dialogue. And ideally, it's a meaningful, narratively relevant conversation mm -hmm. i did not remember to pay attention if shrek 2 passes the bechdel test or not i Oopsies. believe it's a light pass mm. usually listeners i mean we've been doing this for five years we usually wait till the end of the episode <laughs> to have this discussion but again it's loose today we're yeah we're shrek's ass today we're <laughs> loose loose Loose. No, it does pass. Okay. Oh, okay. So it, yeah. Well, we'll talk about it later, I guess. Yeah. At the end. <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> hold on. I just went to verify because I think that there is a like single exchange between Fiona and the fairy godmother mm. that passes that isn't about Shrek. And then I think another one between her and her mother. Okay. But it's like these are two line exchanges. Mm -hmm. But anyways, I just went to uh, BechtelTest.com to check my work. Beautiful. And the comments are so funny. Um, okay. So it says that 
that Shrek 2 passed the Bechdel test. Mm-hmm. Someone named Renee disagreed. And here's her comment. Mentioning Shrek goes against the third criteria of the Bechdel <laughs> test. I'm like, damn, that's true. It's true. Damn, that's true. Huh. Well, there you have it. Podcast over. So five years and the answer is we don't really know uh, <laughs> because we forgot. Sometimes we don't do our job. But also the Bechdel test. As we've always said, it's a flawed metric, and it's not the most important thing when analyzing film. Well, I feel like in this case, the fact that it probably like may not pass the Bechdel test actually it is, says it a is, lot about the movie. Because it's not like this movie is like the pantheon of feminism. <laughs> what? Uh, look, we're just partying today. We're just chilling, okay? Okay, let's take a quick break, oh. and then we'll come back for the recap because we've just been yapping our loose buttholes slapping our butts (laughs) (laughs) all right so we'll be right back bean dad the dress 30 to 50 feral hogs if you knew what any of those were you spend too much time online and hey i do too 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core... What I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math and Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're and back. We're back. Wow. Wow. We're actually a mess today. This is really funny. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I wonder if this is where someone's like, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. You know what? I'm out. Bear with us, okay? We're partying today, everybody. I come back for discourse next week. We're, ha- we're this is a. I was going to say, isn't we supposed to be having a fiesta? Isn't we supposed to be having a fiesta <laughs> indeed? We, we is. We is. So, <laughs> isn't uh, we? Here's, <laughs> here's the recap for Shark 2. We open on a fairy tale book telling, similar to the way the first movie opens, a telling of the story of a princess who was cursed with an enchantment. So her mother and father, the king and queen, sought the help of a fairy godmother who had the princess locked away in a tower guarded by a dragon Mm -hmm. to await the kiss of a handsome Prince Charming. Mm -hmm. Then we meet prince charming who's like a kid the john lithgow but just a different character yes why <laughs> this time why? voiced by rupert everett and he's taller right but like so... the same i don't get it i don't get it mm-hmm. also i always forget who rupert everett is and then i look him up and i'm like this didn't help. I know that he's been in a lot of stuff, but mm-hmm. I don't know who he is and I can't remember. That's okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Anyway, Prince Charming shows up at the dragon guarded castle, but Princess Fiona isn't there because she is on her honeymoon with Shrek. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're not familiar with Shrek, listeners out there or you haven't seen the first movie first of all get it together secondly we can't help you (laughs) secondly both shrek and fiona are ogres famously (laughs) so okay so there's this honeymoon montage there's a lord of the rings joke it's all very 2004 there's a lot some 2004 humor in this that i'm like i don't even know i don't remember what the reference is even there are yeah but then the the movie occasionally references things from like the 80s there's like a flash dance reference toward the end of the movie yes there's a little mermaid reference which came out in the late 80s like it's just i feel like that's this is like yeah this is i don't even know if we had the capacity to talk about this in the first track episode but like so much of the humor is like for the parents of the children Mm -hmm. so if you saw it as a kid and you watch it back as an adult um you still don't know what they're talking about (laughs) which means that kids who could be our kids Mm -hmm. don't know what do kids do kids still watch shrek 2 and do they know what's going on at all Ooh, if we have any parents whose kids watch shrek 2 currently let us know do they go haha i love the lord of the rings joke (laughs) let us know Haha, ha, I get the flash dance reference. Um, <laughs> Elementary school students love a good flash dance reference. Uh, okay, so we get the honeymoon montage. Then they head back home to Shrek's swamp. Donkey is there. I mean, and Shrek thank is. Thank God. Also, dragons written out of this one. Yes. Hate it. Okay, am I remembering this correctly? I think it might be like during or at the end of the ending title sequence. You get a shot of like dragon and donkey and they've had babies or is that at the end of the first movie? Oh, they've had like donkey dragon hybrid babies. 
that's a definite thing but i just don't know where you see it i don't think it's this one no but that's (laughs) but but thank you for introducing that image into my head wow 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 yeah anyway so at some point in the franchise donkey and dragon have mixed babies but yeah dragon is completely written out of this movie and in fact there's a part where uh they're like hey donkey where's dragon and he's like she's been so moody lately because women be moody women be extreme they're right but that that is his whole excuse for i guess i don't really know i guess this movie takes place over the course of what like two weeks a few weeks yeah that's a long time to be away from your wife on the on the on the grounds of she's moody (laughs) especially if she's pregnant which might explain her mood swings yeah donkey ever think of that i'm calling him out donkey's a bad husband seriously so donkey's there he's being annoying shrek is all like donkey go away you're bothering me classic we love this dynamic we're always laughing when it's happening tried and true then fiona and shrek receive an invitation from her parents the king and queen of the kingdom of far far away Mm -hmm. for a royal ball in celebration of their marriage and shrek is reluctant to go but they set off anyway to far far away they finally get there It's basically Los Angeles, specifically like Beverly Hills. And Shrek is very much a fish out of water. He then meets Fiona's human parents who are not happy that Fiona and her husband are ogres. Shrek and the king in particular do not get along. Well, because everything is about fathers and sons. Uh (laughs) Yeah, her parents are played by Julie Andrews and John Cleese. So they really... Which I also, like, it doesn't matter because it's Shrek. But I'm like, why are her parents British, but she's American? Oh, wow. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that I know that children can have different accents from their parents, but I just don't. I just did, I felt like the story didn't rise to the occasion and give me the answers that I needed to understand why her parents were iconic British people when she's Cameron Diaz. Right, because it seems like everyone else in Far, Far Away also has English accents because mm-hmm. the fairy godmother, Prince Charming, I think anyone else you hear talking who's like a local has an English accent. I wonder how like thought through that was or if it really is like a like specifically American audience thing of like, oh, well, we like the person with the American accent because she sound like us. I have to, maybe that. The the director is from New Zealand, so who knows? (laughs) And then you've got Canadian Mike Myers doing a Scottish Shrek. Nothing makes sense. That's true. I forgot her. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? It's a fairy tale land. I just was like, wow, they really like, got the most famous British people who would agree to do the movie. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so yeah, Shrek and the King do not get along, which makes Fiona sad and it puts some strain on her relationship with Shrek. She sheds a tear, which seems to summon 
Fiona's fairy godmother, who is surprised that Fiona is now an ogre and that she has gotten married. Mm -hmm. The reason for this is that fairy godmother is Prince Charming's mother, and fairy godmother and the king had arranged for Prince Charming to be the one to save Fiona from the tower that she was locked up in. Kind of a fun plot twist. I forgot about that, like, Mm -hmm. overlap. I was like, oh, okay, so the fairy godmother has narrative purpose that's right you know you, that's not guaranteed in these in this genre that's true and i mean spoiler alert but you learn that the fairy godmother has leverage over the king because she had turned him from a frog into a human so she keeps like threatening him being like don't forget the deal that i made for you and blah 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 you owe me so genius amazing writing (laughs) the king has to make things right so he hires a hitman to get rid of shrek he sure does (laughs) i do kind of miss like i i i guess that this still might happen in children's movies but i'm like wow he literally just hired someone to kill someone to murder shrek (laughs) but we don't yet get the reveal of who or what the hitman is But just you wait. It's a just great... Just you wait. I knew what the reveal was, and I was still like, wow, I loved it. I loved every second of it. <laughs> Same. Uh, meanwhile, Shrek and Fiona's relationship, again, is rocky because Fiona is upset that Shrek is not making an effort to get along with her family. So then the king approaches Shrek and is pretending to want to start over and try to get along for Fiona's sake. So the king has Shrek meet him the following morning, but again, it's it's actually a trap, and the hitman that the king hired, who is revealed to be Puss in Boots, voiced by Antonio Banderas, mm-hmm. of course. Cultural icon Puss in <laughs> Boots, who also has, like, way less to do with the story than I remember. I don't know why, like, Puss in Boots... He does stuff, but he's also kind of like, I feel like it almost becomes a joke of like, oh, wow, now Shrek has two sidekicks. Yeah. And that's just kind of what happens. I didn't totally remember this either where, so he like attacks Shrek for a few minutes and then is no match for an ogre. So he he's not going to be able to kill Shrek. So then. So like, but you would think that that information would have been like really important before accepting the job of like. <laughs> What was good? Like, what was we? Are we just gonna see Shrek kill a cat? Yeah, and then keep walking. Like, the plot is confusing. He kills a dog later in the movie. Remember at the at the end, there's like this little like fluffy white dog that he like just falls on and probably crushes to death. I so. I thought it was like Puss in Boots. I was I felt like he was underwritten because I was just like, well, wouldn't it doesn't help the dad to send out an assassin that would just get killed. Uh-huh. And if Puss in Boots is such a good assassin, why wouldn't he ask who he was killing and if he could? He does know that it's an ogre, though, because the king is like, I heard you're the right. one to come to if I have an ogre problem. And he's like, you heard correct. So, right. so- he knows he's up against an ogre. It's just like the the raw power of Shrek specifically <laughs> that he can't. Overcome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, that butthole's too loose, baby. I can't. 
<laughs> right. So anyway, so wild. <laughs> Puss in Boots <laughs> attacks them, and then it doesn't work. And then rather than I didn't know what I would have expected to happen, like when I was watching this for the first time. But basically, then Puss in Boots is like, "Sorry, I tried to kill you." can I tag along? And Shrek is like, oh, you're so cute. Sure, you can tag along. And then like, <laughs> that's kind and of, then that's it. That's kind of the, inter- I, like, I like, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't, I'm not familiar with the actual lore of Puss in Boots. Not a character I grew up with. Yeah, me either. So I really only know Puss in Boots via Shrek 2. Which is more or less just a, an extended Zorro reference. Right, because Antonia Banderas played Zorro yeah. and so they're like haha this cat is Zorro mm-hmm. so <laughs> let's give him 10 million dollars and have him have a little bit of fun so it's it's amazing is what we're saying it, I mean I wouldn't trade it for the world I just was like oh wow he has less of a story than I I just assumed that there would have been more there than just like wow look at this Zorro cat haha <laughs> <laughs> anyways <laughs> yep so Shrek quickly realizes that the king had hired Puss in Boots to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. So then he starts to wonder if Fiona would be better off without him. If he was some kind of Prince Charming, you know, no one seems to want this ogre around. Right. So Shrek gets the idea to call upon the fairy godmother to have her help him. So Shrek, Donkey, and Puss in Boots go to the fairy godmother's workshop and steal a happily ever after potion, which Shrek drinks and Donkey also has some. It takes effect on them and on Fiona too. Okay. Tell me that hot Shrek, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. doesn't look exactly like Wreck-It Ralph. It was throwing Uh, me for a loop i feel like he looks so much like wreck it ralph when he's turned into mr shrek i see a slight resemblance but i don't think it's like uncanny or anything he looks no they look considerably different i don't know i don't know i think he looks (laughs) a lot like wreck it ralph also i felt like i don't know i like i think shrek's hotter as an ogre i'll say it oh wow i'll say it yeah, I mean, beauty, I don't I don't see external beauty. <laughs> I just beauty is within and that's the message of the movie. It, it just it Shrek is more confident in his ogre body, you know. That's true. His, his and his butthole is so much looser as an ogre and that's the way he likes it. You can tell he's not comfortable with where his butthole is at <laughs> when he is transformed. Yeah. Okay, so the potion turns Shrek into a subjectively handsome human man. Donkey is turned into a stallion. And then they discover that to make the effects of the potion permanent, the drinker has to obtain true love's kiss by midnight. So Shrek heads back to the castle to find Fiona, who has also been transformed back into her human form. But, oh no, Fairy Godmother and Prince Charming are already there, Mm. and they trick Fiona into thinking that Prince Charming is the new and improved Shrek. And Shrek is convinced that there's no way that he can make Fiona happy. He thinks that Prince Charming is the man she's always wanted, so Shrek decides to leave. Again, the plot is so weird here, because it's like... (laughs) 
first of all, Shrek and Fiona really need to like hit up a couple's therapist and work on their communication. Oh, because yeah. the yeah. plot of both, like at least the first movie, it's like a big thing that they can't talk about. But this is like a small miscommunication that gets taken way out of context. And like, I was just trying to imagine, like, imagine if someone you had just married read your journal from junior high and was like, mm-hmm. she hates me. And it's like, what are you talking about? First of all, that was what that was a very upsetting journal for not the reasons that you thought for like all the descriptions of her parents gaslighting her. Right. And then it's just so like juvenile to be like, oh, you didn't love me when you were 12. It's like she didn't fucking know you. And she was 12. <laughs> right. What are you talking about? Most of my notes about this movie are about his conduct in the first like 20 or 25 minutes or so and like (laughs) their relationship and like the way that Fiona is characterized the way that Shrek is characterized and like the way they behave in this relationship I'm just like woof get it together I know I feel I I feel for Fiona and then it's like there's that moment too where it seems like Fiona is gonna like become involved in the action and then she just doesn't you're like "Uh." Mm mm-hmm Right. Okay. Um, Okay, so Shrek has left, but Fiona is not warming up to Prince Charming. She's like, this isn't the Shrek I married. So Fairy Godmother gives (laughs) gives the king some potion to give to Fiona to make her fall in love with Charming. Like if they, the first man she kisses, she'll fall in love with him. Which is an interaction, this like exchange of the potion is an interaction which Shrek overhears because they've all met up at this tavern. So Shrek realizes what's happening and he takes off and heads back to the castle to the ball in order to get Fiona back. Mm-hmm. But on the way they get arrested, which plays out on screen in this like cops-like tv show that was uh, the whole and there's like a police brutality joke Joke? from donkey that i was like Mm -hmm. this no no No, this is not the venue to have this discussion no and this this tv show yeah that like that felt like i don't know i mean i'm interested what listeners thought of that because i was like this seems like an inappropriate joke to be making and also the fact that it was being made in 2004 in a children's movie is like also interesting i don't know Mm -hmm. i don't know how to feel about it and then the gingerbread man loves the show cops and it's like okay you with your like cop why (laughs) why does it why is the gingerbread man telling me blue lives matter like what's going on Right, but uh, so Shrek's friends back at his swamp are watching this show. So it's like Gingy, the Big Bad Wolf, Pinocchio, the Three Little Pigs, etc. So they realize that it's like Shrek and Donkey and Puss in Boots who have been detained. So then they somehow very quickly within the span of a few minutes to hours are able to get to <laughs> uh, far, far away, even though we saw it took shrek and fiona days to get there so plot hole much uh yeah (laughs) a loose plot hole not unlike shrek's loose butthole anyway this was nominated for a look (laughs) we 
anyone can be nominated for a Palm Dior. Oh, gosh, I need to. Yeah, I need to write some movies that are better than Shrek too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the uh, Shrek's friends show up and bust Shrek, Donkey, and Puss in Boots out of the like dungeon prison they're in. But they still need to get to the castle, past the security, past the big moat, all that stuff. So they have to go to the muffin man and have him bake a giant gingerbread man so that they can get into the castle and crash the ball that's happening. I never realized how ridiculous of a plot point this was until rewatching it this time around. That like <laughs> their amazing idea of getting into the castle is... <laughs> To bake a giant gingerbread man. It was. I thought it was uh, hilarious in 2004. I mean, flawless writing. Let's <laughs> go to Cannes. Let's do it. So then, as Shrek is getting into the castle, Prince Charming is dancing with and trying to kiss Fiona at the ball. Mm-hmm. And then Shrek bursts in, and then Fairy Godmother tries to stop him, but she gets turned into a bunch of bubbles. And it's now it's almost midnight, so Shrek and Fiona have to decide. Everything is happening at once. Like it, <laughs> nothing is happening, and yet everything is and, happening. I mean, this climax, wowie wow. I mean, so yeah, the clock is ticking down. It's almost midnight, so Shrek and Fiona have to decide if they want to kiss now and stay humans, or wait and then transform back into their ogre selves. And Fiona is like, I want to live happily ever after with the ogre I married. So, so we're ri- we're literally returned to one at the end of the movie. Yeah. And it's like, why did this movie even happen? Who has grown? What do we, we've met John Cleese and forgiven him for some for reason. For some reason, yeah. So then the clock ticks midnight. They transform back to ogres. They kiss. And then Donkey and Puss in Boots sing Live in La Vida Loca. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> they sure do. Also, it's, I, I now as an adult, I can appreciate how the music at the end of Shrek clearly happens to get it to be feature length. Uh-huh. This, this movie is 81 minutes long. But if you add all of the musical numbers at the end, it's about 90 minutes long. Incredible. I I mean, I love a short film, so no complaints here. This is basically a short film. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break, and then we will come right back to discuss. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. 
Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Mother's Day is right around the corner. And in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Welcome back to our fifth anniversary party. Woo! Let's let's discuss. I mean, there's there's a lot of um, extremely dated, hateful humor in this yes. movie. We we already touched on this movie's very bizarre attempt to reference how there's police brutality glorified in cop shows Uh there is a continuous joke about the wolf that goes across Mm -hmm. this entire franchise that is repeatedly i mean punching down at trans people and like the wolf is referred to as gender confused there's like all of these just very flippant ways of referring to the wolf and it's clear the way that the movie is written and the way the character is posed that you're laughing at, at yeah. them. I would say this extends to a few other characters as well. This movie has yes, a said, real yeah. problem with any person or creature or animal or whatever who doesn't adhere to a like very rigid binary prescribed gender norm because any like literally any expression of gender that is not rigidly binary is commented on aggressively down to even like prince charming wearing glitter like what yeah 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 there's there's that there's like the ugly stepsister character Mm -hmm. there's the pinocchio the joke where they're trying to get him to his nose to grow so they tell him to say i'm wearing ladies underwear he says it his nose doesn't grow because he's not lying about that and then there's this long joke about someone who presents as a boy wearing women's underwear and like oh my gosh isn't that so funny and weird and ha 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 in a children's movie too is like makes it extra insidious of how normalized punishing and mocking any form of not very rigid 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 gender expression was at this time yeah to the point where it could appear in a children's movie no problem and um I'm assuming in 2004 got very little blowback because that was just so deeply normal and to, and to an extent still 
is yeah very very normalized in in mainstream movies totally there was also i mean i, I think that the that similar jokes are, are made about the wolf in the first movie and also because i am a connoisseur of shrek the musical oh. they had to take a line of the wolf's dialogue out of the musical because it included a transphobic slur yikes so this franchise has some severe issues Mm -hmm. that i I feel like are very reflective of the time time. it was released on and also reflective of like again who is in the room and who is at the top creatively and like this 2000s era edgy edgy humor that was all dictated by like vast majority cis people Mm -hmm. um mostly white people and mostly guys yeah so yeah this this movie is um co-directed by three people all white guys so there you go (sighs) woof woof yeah that's what that dog said when shrek killed it (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um that was the main thing i noticed as far as like again we talk about this a lot in, in terms of american comedy movies specifically and their reliance on punching down as a source of comedy, especially in this era. Mm-hmm. It was like at the kind of height of that. Things have been changing slightly in more recent years. But this was like the prime time to be doing like punch down humor. And yeah. this is no exception, even though and I think we've talked about this, too, where children slash family movies are not as frequently perpetuators or participants in this type of humor because a lot of that type of humor is also would be like maybe more like pg-13 or r rated right so they can't really get away with it in a lot of cases but this movie found a way to make repeated transphobic jokes at the expense of multiple characters in a movie that's rated pg or whatever right like it's it's which again just like shows i mean god we could discuss movie ratings all all goddamn day but like <laughs> right. what is considered to be harmful slash offensive and then who is the person deciding that that's a whole other discussion but yeah right. this is like so deeply 2004 and i feel like that's reflected in a lot of the more uh, attempted jokes that are simply just punching down yep yeah that sticks out terribly terribly mm-hmm. and then on top of that the story is just like confusing oh, gosh um yeah i want to talk about shrek i mean let's talk about shrek, shrek. Let's talk shrek's about- behavior shrek in his relationship and then also like the way fiona is characterized in that relationship as well and that whole thing because so first well the first like five minutes of the movie are letting you know that shrek fucks <laughs> where there's just like all these oh, times where he's like no. trying to have sex with his wife and it's just like his why wife. why fine i know and I also i'm his just wife. like wow i god it really hit when it's like i, I just was like wow this whole musical opening <laughs> montage is about Shrek trying to loosen his butthole and have some fun. <laughs> and then right after that, when they like get back from their honeymoon, like the honeymoon phase is literally over. Then their relationship 
Okay, so basically what happens is they get this invitation to visit Fiona's parents. Mm -hmm. And Shrek is like, your family seems really pretentious. We're not going. And that's final. And then what ensues after that is, to me, the movie subscribing to this idea that like, my wife is the old ball and chain, whatever she says goes. And I'm just like, it's her world and I'm living in it kind of thing. Right. Where he's like, we're not going and that's final. And then we cut to them packing up and leaving because apparently off screen, there was a scene in which Fiona fought to get her way, you know, as if to say like women and, you know, his wife's are unwilling to compromise and you know they're you got to do what they say you know and you're you just have to accept the fact that you're quote-unquote whipped all that kind of stuff yeah so that's those were the vibes I was getting from all of that agree meanwhile Shrek is being an absolute asshole in these scenes where he's like making assumptions about her family and saying like oh I don't even want to be a part of this family so you know, he, he doesn't want to make any compromises or anything like that, but it's Fiona who is the one who is being presented as unreasonable because she, especially because like Shrek turns out to be right in this situation because his assumptions about her family end up being correct. And, right. you know, he keeps saying this is a bad idea and he turns out to be right. So it makes Fiona look like she doesn't really know what she's talking about or that like she's being unreasonable which is really frustrating because it's it's like the Fiona character I mean I didn't rewatch Shrek one for this and that's on me but like (laughs) I do feel like the Fiona character like she's a especially for a like princess character that's supposed to be commenting on other princess characters i feel like in the first movie she's that's done pretty effectively Mm -hmm. and she's a very motivated character she participates in a lot of the action like it seems to like successfully subvert where this movie just doesn't seem to as much which is frustrating because it there's i think a lot of interesting stuff set up for fiona but then either it's dropped or like shrek resolves the conflict instead of her resolving Mm -hmm. her own conflict and so then it just sort of plays into the princess tropes that the character was written to subvert of like well she needs her husband her hero to resolve her childhood trauma question mark like it just is (laughs) right all because because with with fiona's story here i feel like you're given like a pretty interesting concept for a kids movie that feels like it fits in the world which is like that fiona really wants to maintain a relationship with her parents even though it's clear that her parents have gaslit and abused her in the past and she she like wants to find a way to you know remain in their lives and have her husband get along with them and like I don't know. I was like, wow, this is a very adult issue to be working through, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but she doesn't really get the opportunity to explore that at all. Like she's just told by other people and things start happening to her. And then I feel like the Fiona from the first movie is kind of like, especially by the point that she's being shown a different guy and she's like, I don't know, is this Shrek or not? I'm like, you're Fiona like I feel like Princess Fiona would know you know like and would get into a fight about it not 
be like, I'm confused. Not like go along with it and be like, yeah, right. well, uh, something's not right here, but I am not going to do anything about it. And I'm just going to keep. And then like forgive her parents for a world of trauma at the very last second of the movie where you're just like, uh, huh? <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like I, I, I was so I didn't realize what a Princess Fiona stan I was until I <laughs> rewatched this movie and I was like, wow, everything that like is cool about her, she she doesn't really get to like do in this movie. She doesn't get to really participate in any action. I feel like we're told that her trauma is resolved, but we don't understand why and like right. it's just like her dad being like, My bad that I was going to literally murder your husband. Like, that's not a, like, no. You don't just bounce back from that. Sorry I forcibly incarcerated you for your entire childhood and then tried to murder your husband the second you found happiness. Whoops. Like, and then and then she's like, it's okay, I love you. Like, I was like, oh, man. Not to mention force her into a marriage that she was, like, probably not going to want to be in or consent to. Because, like, again, he had arranged with the fairy godmother for Prince Charming to come and, like, sweep Fiona off her feet. So, like, yeah, the king is awful. She should honestly, I mean... Forgiveness is complicated, but if it were me, I would not forgive the king if he was my dad. Well, that's the, yeah. <laughs> Forgiveness is complicated, but I feel like in a movie like this, it would have been kind of cool to see Princess Fiona be like, I don't trust you, motherfuckers. <laughs> right. Like, because I just feel like that's a message you never get. Like, especially in family films, you're always told, like, your family is your family no matter what, which is like yeah. not not a universally applicable message for a lot of people who have mm -hmm. difficult relationships with their families. And Fiona is such an independent character that it would have been nice to either see like her family really make amends with her in a way that wasn't just completely bullshit end of movie stuff, or maybe some ambiguous, like, I don't know, like you'll have to earn my trust back. Or I feel like the real badass choice would have been like, you know what? I found true happiness in spite of you. I don't need you in my life. Mm -hmm. Me and Shrek are going to couples counseling at the swamp. <laughs> like that's that's the ending I wanted for Shrek too. Because also Shrek is like being a real dipshit. And, yeah, you know that's yeah. I know that's the problem too. Where so after we get those few scenes that are basically there to communicate, Fiona is this like kind of naggy like I'm gonna get my way because what I say goes because I'm an unreasonable his wife character after that they arrive at the castle and there's a scene after the dinner scene where Fiona does seem to be acting more like the princess Fiona we know and love where she's like calling Shrek out on his behavior like I can't believe how you are behaving no one is considering what i might want in this situation mm -hmm. she tells him he's behaving like an ogre even okay. though i would argue that like fiona's expectations are similarly kind of uncompromising and a little unreasonable i agree i agree <laughs> but but then when she said like, well, uh, but I don't know. Yeah, they're both kind of, I was like, wow, this is actually 
this is this is the marriage story I want to see, <laughs> Shrek and Fiona marriage story. Um, wow. But then I yeah, because I was kind of conflicted about that because I was like, well, I don't think that it's like unreasonable that Shrek is like, no, I don't want to meet these people and get along with them. They like imprisoned you. I don't mm-hmm. like them. I don't like that. Like, I think for a spouse, that is actually maybe. A, a good attitude to have. Yeah, he, he's he's advocating for her right. in, in a way that I'm like, I'm fine with that. And then also, you know, like Shrek's baggage is <laughs> not that phrase. Shrek's baggage uh, emotionally <laughs> uh-huh. is that he was like aggressively rejected from society for a really long time. So, of course, going to the highest, fanciest levels of the society that rejected him for his whole life is going to bring up a lot of shit for him. Like, I get why he doesn't want to go for multiple reasons. That's why I was kind of like, I was kind of joking about the get out thing. But like that, like I was legitimately reminded of that, where there's like a scene in the beginning of that movie where Chris is like, I'm having hesitations about being a black man going to your like rich white family. Obviously it's not the same as like, you know, whatever in Shrek, but like there, there is like a, like a class difference thing. There's a cultural difference thing. Like Shrek has every reason to be really concerned about the way that he is likely to be treated by this like royal family of like who are again like the ruling class and the people who are generally responsible for marginalizing ogres like Shrek and Fiona like will not hear about it and it's just like you need to listen but then I also like I like I I think that Fiona does need to listen and also think that her refusing to hear him on that is like a trauma response on her end because she can't believe that her parents are bad and she like that's why I was like, God, this is such a rich story. And it's like wild that they just drop it. Because I do feel like I agree with you that like Shrek is absolutely right to have, you know, issues with going to them and to go in with zero trust in these people because of all the reasons you just right. described. And then also it's like Fiona, I feel like there's a part of her that knows that, but also like that kind of thing that you have with in any difficult relationship where you're like, well, if I admit that they were wrong to do this, this is just going to unravel something and I'm not going to be able to have a relationship with them anymore because all the fucked up stuff is going to start bubbling to the surface. Or that's how I sort of felt like Fiona was coming from, at least at the beginning of the movie before her motivations became increasingly confusing and less relevant to the story but yeah it just felt like she was like well I can't like if I admit that my parents were wrong to lock me in a tower and wrong to like judge me for being an ogre at night question mark <laughs> then I will have to admit all this other stuff and I'm not ready because I want to have a relationship with them so mm. it's just like they're so like their stuff is so at odds I yeah and then they just like don't really explore it and I don't disagree with the story choice that like Shrek is absolutely right like I'm glad that the story didn't take the choice of like and Shrek just misjudged the ruling class they were actually really cool like (laughs) right that at least it's not that like he's proven right right away when they get there and once again Shrek is rejected which is his you know worst fear and also what he said was going to happen and they reject Fiona which also hurts them both and yeah 
Oh, God. Yeah. Fiona's having like a denial issue <laughs> in this movie oh. and Shrek is having a protagonist syndrome issue in this movie. There are just so many <sighs> layers, much like oh. ogres have layers. Onions have layers. The story has layers. I always appreciate their onion carriage. I think that's funny. Oh, yeah. But yeah, the movie doesn't feel equipped to like handle all the things that it's presenting. Uh, no. <laughs> but I thought a very interesting setup to, to a yeah. movie. I mean, those are two very specific outlooks on the situation, both of which in character, I see why they feel the ways that they do. But then it just goes nowhere. It goes nowhere. And yeah, again, the way, because it doesn't explore it fully enough, it just makes Fiona seem unreasonable and like unwilling to compromise. And it makes Shrek seem, I don't know, just like an asshole. And then, so there's like the, the dinner scene where like Shrek and the king are arguing with each other in that scene. Basically what happens like after the first half hour of the movie is that Fiona is rele relegated to a his wife type character where all she's doing right. is just sort of being the like opposite. Shrek stop it come on stop uh. it Shrek which kind of starts in this dinner scene where both of the his wives are just like Harold stop Shrek stop and then for the rest of the movie Fiona sucks. is just like yeah not really participating in the narrative and every scene she's in after that she's just like dad what's going on where's my husband the most annoying thing too is like she almost sets off to go find Shrek but then the plot stops her from doing that right yeah it's like raining and she's like I guess never mind <laughs> right I was like wait why are you throwing this in my face right now this stinks and then I feel like I mean <sighs> there's not much to say about the queen character but she's given not like nothing to do except to be like Harold what's going on right something seems amiss but what is it I'll ask my Husband, who is clearly the reason things are going wrong. She literally doesn't know that her husband's a frog. She's just <laughs> out of it, man. And then, like, the fairy godmother. I think the fairy godmother, I thought, was, like, a pretty effective villain. Mm. I liked that at least she was, like, I don't know. I mean, it is all kind of connected to being a mother. But, yeah, which is not my favorite. But I do appreciate the the onion layers that that mm. character is given of like she shows up with an agenda she's she's literally like girl boss villain like she wants power <laughs> she's blackmailing rich guys and you're like well yeah you know it's not right but it's interesting to watch she's a female business owner she, she's a small <laughs> business owner so go off queen um yeah i i was on the surface, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool that there's a female villain, especially in a, I think we've talked about this before, but um, I've noticed a trend in movies where if the villain is a woman, chances are the protagonist is also a woman. And it's rare to see Ooh, a female villain with a male protagonist, because I think the idea that a lot of like writers and storytellers assume is that 
oh, a woman wouldn't be a formidable opponent to a man. Mm -hmm. A woman would only be a formidable opponent to another woman. And I feel like this is especially true in fairy tale narratives where there are a lot of like Disney female villains. You've got your, you know, the, the witch from Snow White, Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty, Ursula from Little Mermaid. But those are all movies with female protagonists as well. And I think it's kind of rare to see a movie with a, a villain who's a woman and a protagonist who is a man. So for this movie, I was like, OK, damn, we we get a subversion of that. So I was like, OK, that's cool. But then I started to think about Fairy Godmother's motivation. And you like hinted at this, but it is very much revolving around her son where she's just like, I want my son to be king or something, but not because she wants power. It's just that like she just like wants to elevate the status of her son and everything she's doing is like for her son oh I, I guess I sort of I sort of assumed maybe I'm giving the story too much credit I sort of assumed that she did want an elevated status and she did want power and like but she never says that so right I just sort of assumed because her son was so like doofy <laughs> that and, like and so like clearly not equipped to be king that sh and she was so motivated and capable that it was gonna that it was almost like an arrangement of I guess mm. I was really headcanoning this <laughs> but I, I was like oh well you know he'll become king and then she'll tell him what to do and that's how she'll get the power that she wants to have and mm. that was I think I've just been watching succession too much because <laughs> <laughs> I was like well clearly there's a chess game going on here <laughs> right. but uh maybe I'm reading into it too much I mean yeah that would have tracked if she was like, I want more power and the way I'm going to get it is by orchestrating this thing where my I can gain access to power via my son. <laughs> and if that was like something she clearly articulated, that would have completely tracked for me. Right. But she doesn't ever explicitly say that. So but she doesn't say I don't that. Know. Yeah, I was literally just I just watched I just watched Succession for the first time and I was just like, yep, there's I get I know exactly what's going on here. I get it. I understand. Rich people are so fucked up. Truly. Okay. So I mean, I, I guess if you view I'm I guess listeners, what did you think? Was she just being mommy or was she being a uh, you know, did, was she going to be like roundabout queen? Because the far far away does appear to still be a deeply patriarchal structure so it does seem like the sort of thing she would have to work around in order to accomplish the the power she may or may not have wanted <laughs> right oh yeah yeah anyways so she has more interesting things going on than fiona in this movie which sucks <laughs> yeah yeah i uh gosh she's really like neutralized in the middle of the movie in a way that it made me so bummed out and then you see her like sad youth gaslighting journal and Shrek is like jealous of her crush from when she was 12, Prince Charming. I was like, Shrek, you're not emotionally intelligent, period. No. <laughs> and like, that's just such a huge invasion of privacy that I'm like, so much of what Shrek does in those first like, I don't know, 25 minutes, I'm just like, dude, you need to really work on yourself. Like you need couples counseling. You need individual counseling. Like problematic. They're, they're, you're, you're so insecure and, but you're refusing to work on yourself. He really does weaponize his insecurity against the people he loves. Doesn't he? He sure oh, does. <laughs> God, Shrek. Shrek is deeply insecure and that is why we love him. But also it's like, um, you have to, you have to improve Shrek. I think that, 
you know, I'll say it. I'm going to say something that's very controversial. I oh, think wow. Shrek and Fiona should have dated longer. Okay. I think they should have gotten to know each other better. Hang on. <laughs> I'm not saying that they couldn't live together. I'm, I'm not saying that they couldn't be in love. I'm just saying, I mean, they got married very quickly well, and the, and the strain on the relationship starts to show right after the honeymoon. I mean, come on. Anyways, do they get married? They get married at the end of the first movie, right? After only knowing each other for a few days. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, like, that's true love canon. But it's also like, but Shrek 2 shows the consequences of true love canon, which is that you don't realize that your husband is so insecure that he's ruining your life. (laughs) So I don't know. I, I did appreciate like, that in the moments that Fiona does get to advocate for herself, I do. I generally liked those moments where Shrek is being, ugh, it's so complicated because it's like, he is right that her family sucks and that they don't have her best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. But the way he s- expresses that is very, is a very selfish, not empathetic towards his new wife way. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, his communication is bad. But and then and then when Fiona is just like, well, Shrek, I don't think you have like really considered how much I've changed my life to be with you. And I'm like, damn, she's right. She's right. She's right. Mm-hmm. Damn it. What a complicated relationship. This yeah. is truly marriage story. <laughs> <laughs> Scenes uh, from a marriage, more like the Shrek franchise. Okay. Jamie. Wowie wow. I know. We're breaking this wide open. I wish that Shrek kissed Fiona's armpit like they do in that show. <laughs> I I haven't even seen the so... show. I just know that Oscar Isaac kisses Jessica Chastain's armpit. Yeah, I... That's all I need to know. I've I'll only... watch that scene. I don't get anything about what's happening there. But um, yeah, Shrek and Fiona's relationship crumbles, which like provides the impetus for why Shrek does everything he does in the movie, which I guess like lends a discussion about the theme of the movie or like the, you know, the message, the, the moral of the story kind of thing, which is, you know, something I appreciate. Again, I think the first movie handled it more effectively, but the message of don't judge someone by their exterior appearance or, you know, draw conclusions about them just because they're an ogre. Right. What happens in this movie does communicate that message to some degree, but again, I feel like it gets a little muddled and... And also it's just in a, in like a franchise way, it's like, yeah, that was the message of the first movie. Right. So you either need to explore something new or look at it from a different angle or I don't know something else but the movie just sort of like hey remember and I understand like a common theme throughout a franchise you know being something that like ties the franchise together but yeah when you just sort of this movie doesn't like it doesn't like build on that message and it doesn't even communicate that message as effectively as the first movie did (laughs) and so it just feels like they just tried to do the same thing again which is like a bummer because it's like (laughs) shrek has so many lessons to communicate to the world you know i mean it there is room for it there the, the premise is ripe for 
a lot of like meaningful conversation and commentary on that. And the story that's set up here is like, actually genuinely pretty interesting like mm-hmm. the conflict between shrek and fiona like it, it, but then they just don't really i thought that this movie could have like gone in a lot of different directions that would have been more interesting of like you know this first the first movie is very much about shrek's journey and the second movie could have really focused on like fiona trying to figure out how she fits in the world because mm-hmm. keep in mind she just got out of a tower like less than two months ago when this so recently. all takes place she's like still you know i know that it's like we don't want to like extremely harp on trauma in this children's movie but it's like this could have been a cool way f- to explore her character and the fact that you know if this movie wants to be as like bringing contemporary themes and ideas to fairy tales as it says it wants to be then like let's examine the idea of her being like a prisoner of her royal family parents immediately going into a wife role and like being transferred from one controlling force to another controlling force and like let's have her like figure herself out a little like I just feel like yeah I guess I'm just a princess Fiona stan but I'm just like (laughs) there's so much with this character that would be more interesting to explore than repeating the message of the first movie in a less effective way also the movie could have explored her identity as a full-time ogre now because prior to this she had she lives half of her life as a human and half as an ogre and then mm-hmm. decides to become a full-time ogre and like what does that mean for her new identity and her her life now like there's yeah there's so many other things or just like other directions the movie could have taken to Right. Examine these interesting things that it just doesn't really do. Yeah, it feels like a wasted opportunity. However, when you think about it, was the song Accidentally in Love nominated for an Oscar? And the answer is yes. (laughs) Really? Yes, Counting Crows, Oscar nominated band, The Counting Crows. Did they? Uh Was that an original song written for this movie? Oh yeah, it had to have been right if it got nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, wow, they really handed the Counting Crows a golden opportunity that the Counting Crows, to their credit, did not waste. Because that's a that's a bop. It's good. Uh, they were not. Who did they I lose guess. to? Who did they lose to? Um, so Shrek was nominated. Shrek two, Shrek one was nominated for an Oscar for best animated feature and won. Okay, yeah. Shrek 2 is nominated and lost to The Incredibles, which is a mm, much better movie, fair. and that makes sense. Yes. Who did Counting Crows lose to? I feel like the Oscar for, like, original song, whoever wins, I'm always like, huh? It's like so many <laughs> shitty songs have... Okay, let's see. I agree. <laughs> There's a, It was a song from a movie called The Motorcycle Diaries... Oh, that I haven't seen. Al Otro Lado del Rio is the name of the song. I, is the Motorcycle Diaries good? What is it? Yes, it is. It's a uh, Gail Garcia Bernal. My oh, oh, crush. Okay. Your crush. So of course you've seen it. It's a biopic about early Che Guevara. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Wait, that sounds way better than Shrek too. It's it's a very good movie, and again, Gail is in it, and he's um, hot. Not that that's important. Which is what we learned from Shrek. 
<laughs> yeah, I was like, don't you fly in the face of the message of Shrek here. Be careful. Watch watch yourself. Yeah. Well, um, well. <laughs> I just wanted to let everyone know that, yes, the Counting Crows are an Oscar-nominated That's musical group. Hilarious. Good for them. I love that for them. Do you have any other thoughts about the film Shrek 2? I really don't think that I do. I, th- I think that, you know, there was a lot more to talk about than I than I thought there would be, mm-hmm. uh, as usual. And <laughs> I realized that I, um, I, I feel like Fiona, because isn't like Shrek 3, like Shrek 3, Fiona has to have 500 babies. Fiona gets pregnant with a million Gregs and Shregs. They have Shregs. <laughs> All her shregs hatch. <laughs> oh my god, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Um, yeah, that I haven't seen. I've only seen Shrek three once, and it was a long time ago. And then I never saw Shrek four. I think this. It's just like I feel like Fiona, for a character that starts really strong, is uh, forced into a series of very binary boring roles true as the franchise goes on and that's my final thought not nice to her did puss in boots get its own oh my gosh yeah puss in boots has a spinoff and tv series there's also something called wait puss in boots the last wish which (laughs) is a movie coming out in 2022 (gasps) wow good for antonio (laughs) good good Good. I hope he's. I hope those checks are clearing. You know, good for him. I cannot believe it. Oh yeah, and then the TV series. My friend worked on the Puss in Boots Netflix series. It sounds like it was fun. Okay. Wow, amazing story, Jamie. Thank you. <laughs> um, does the movie pass the Bechdel test? We think it does, but only a, f- a very few. I'm gonna say in context i'm gonna say no yeah i don't because even if it does pass it's a barely pass and i don't Mm -hmm. think that the themes of the movie make it worth arguing for a potential pass i'll say no yeah i think by our standards no because the few conversations i do remember between women either fiona and her mother or fiona and the fairy godmother Mm -hmm. the subtext is still something about a man yeah i uh, yeah let's just say no let's say no it's been five years we're authorities no we're the experts yeah yeah as far as our nipple scale goes Mm -hmm. uh, on a scale of zero to five nipples how well does the movie fare when examining it through an intersectional feminist lens. I don't remember exactly what each of us gave the first movie. I gave it one nipple. Mm-hmm. I'm giving Shrek 2 a half nipple. Uh-huh. It went down. It got worse. Um, <laughs> between the weird, the like awful jokes made at the expense of anyone who doesn't fit a very like cisgender gender binary quote-unquote prescribed norm yes all of those jokes are horrendous the way that the women in the movie are generally not meaningfully included except for the villain the fact that like the villain is a more active character than Than fiona Fiona? Ah. is ridiculous Ah. 
the way that there are just, you know, certain stereotypes at play with the way Fiona is characterized as a, like, his wife, ball and chain, quote unquote, type of character. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, it's it's all a mess. Donkey saying that his wife is moody. Come on. And then we don't even get to see her yeah no dragon mm-hmm. i forgot about how that is also unjust wait i swear to goodness that there's like a post-credit scene was it in Where the hell is it oh, see maybe i didn't watch post maybe i didn't treat this enough like a marvel movie and i stopped watching when i thought the movie was over oh wait yeah here it is hang on it's like kind of after the first batch of credits oh my god i'm watching this on hulu brave yep Yep, yep, yep. This is a real thing. Wow. Dragon shows up. I didn't see that. To the ball after everyone's gone home. And she has all of her dragon donkey babies. Sheesh. Okay. Well. This does happen. I knew I wasn't imagining. <laughs> good. We just needed to get one more extremely normative thing in before the before we could go home. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Oh, <sighs> good grief. So, well, who are you going to give your half nipple to? My half nipple goes to Puss in Boots because I think Puss in Boots mm. is the reason I loved this movie in 2004. You're not alone there. <laughs> All right. I guess I'll, I'll meet you there. I'll give it a, a half nipple. I, I feel like, I mean, for all the same reasons, the, the jokes that are at the expense of marginalized communities in a children's movie, that is always going to absolutely piss me the fuck off because it's just like it feels like even you know more harmful than when they appear in yeah movies for adults um because it's just like you know creating transphobia at a very ground level for people with very squishy brains and yeah you can't you can't do that yeah and then uh you know just the general like kind of undermining what was fun about the first movie by uh sidelining women and just being like um yeah first you're in jail and then you're in wife like this pipeline (laughs) i i don't love Mm -mm. so yeah i'll I'll do a half nipple and i'm gonna give it to uh the boot you gave it to puss in boots i'm giving it to the the boot oh okay yeah i gave mine das boot yeah mine went to puss and yours went to boot to boot so now you know cats famously have how many nipples is it well let me draw back to my cat facts knowledge Mm -hmm. i believe it's eight nipples well this one only has one and half of it belongs to his boot (laughs) bummer sorry puss yikes you know maybe next time maybe next movie well well there you go there you go happy anniversary caitlin oh my gosh jamie a happy anniversary to you i love doing this show with you Mm. i love how much how we've grown and we're constantly learning and you know and and knocking out bangers of episodes if i may say so myself not us knocking (laughs) out bangers <laughs> uh no but truly I, I love doing the show with you. I love you and love um, you too. let's do 50 more years. Okay, it's been yeah, someday we're going to be like it's been 84 years. It's been 84 years and I can still smell the fresh pod. <laughs> oh. 
the microphones had never been used. <laughs> the Zoom had never been logged in. We could keep going. Bechtelcast was the podcast of dreams. And it, <laughs> and was. it was. It really, really was. was. Beginning around 2019. Um <laughs> We, I, I, I love you. I love doing this show. Here's to 500 more years. We'll do Shrek 3 for our 10-year anniversary. Wow. Wow. I'll hold you to that. Well, let's see if the, if the world, the integrity of the, the planet we live on lasts that long. <laughs> Can't wait. And thank you to our listeners for five years of incredible memories. Yeah, we wouldn't have continued to release episodes of the show if no one was if listening. If no one was to listening. Them. So truly, we owe you a debt of gratitude, listeners. Thank you so much. Whether this is your first episode or whether you've been with us from episode one or you came somewhere in the middle. Or whether you hated this so much that this is your last episode and you're out of here. <laughs> you know what? the 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 spectrum is vast <laughs> but truly thank you for for listening we wouldn't be doing the show without you thank you for hel helping us learn and grow that didn't happen in a vacuum so yeah. um, our listeners have been a major part of why the show you know keeps improving mm -hmm. and the reason that we keep wanting to do it so and thank you to everyone who helps make this show. Thank you to Sophie. Thank you to Aristotle. Thank you to Jack. Thanks to all of our wonderful friends and collaborators and to all of our guests. And truly, you know, it sounds like we're accepting your award and a reward an award. Um, we're not. We've, we've never we're won. We've we famously crows. never won an award. Yeah. We're, yeah. yeah we're, like just the, a, we're just like the counting crows. crows. It's an honor to be nominated. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm sure the Counting Crows have aggressively said many times. Uh, oh, goodness. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.